I mean, the Florida State statement is like, this is the most disgusting crime perpetrated on the human race. I mean, it's just like <laughs> some of the stuff coming out of there is just uh, unforgivable. You know, oh, so games don't matter. Well, no, games do matter. And also, like, key news developments matter. The games that you play matter. And also, if your team is fundamentally changed by an injury to your best player and your team is not at all the same team now as it was previously when it was winning most of those games, yeah, I'm sorry, but that has to be taken into account. It's just the reality of the situation, and it has to be taken into account in a subjective process in which a bunch of humans are sitting in a committee meeting trying to judge teams against each other. How do you not use that information when you judge these teams against each other? It's ridiculous. The other way, to me, to think you wouldn't, and you just blindly say, well, they got a zero after the record, so they're in. No, that's not how you do it. They did the right thing. What the hell is that? I'm so happy I could die. Stone on air. There's nothing more pathetic than an aging hipster. I'm so happy I could die right now. Well, you know what us ultra liberals say. When it comes to drugs, lies are okay. Stone on air. I could die because I'm so yeah, just, just kill me now. now. Welcome in, uh, everybody. Yeah, that's my... Uh, Really half-assed, uh, thrown-together uh, open that I made at some point. I might start using this song again. I'll explain at a later date why I'm so happy I could die. But I was just digging through a bunch of stuff and figured for today I would use that open. Welcome into the show. I did talk about how last week would be the quote-unquote final one and leave it to, uh, well, I don't know if it's happenstance. Basically, every week there seems to be something to talk about. There's lots that I would like to get to. And uh, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you an open. My name is Brian. It's the Stone on Air podcast. Uh, It's every Wednesday at this point going forward. A couple more this year here in December that won't sound exactly like the show normally does. And then an every Wednesday download drop, as they say, into 2024. Uh, I will get you 30 minutes worth of stories maybe I shouldn't tell for the uh, bulk of the show, for about half of it anyway. And I just kind of spliced them together into one long segment. So really, it'll kind of sound like there's five segments overall, the way that the audio will fire. But that's going to be the middle part. I'll have an open here to get to some things here pretty quickly. And then a short recap at the end. And that's going to be December 6th version of the Stone On Air podcast. I will do one more that's going to be a little bit of rehashing of things from earlier in the year. Probably from back in the spring. I haven't decided just yet what that'll be. When I do, it'll just be the time that the show drops. Likely next week probably and then hopefully the interview that i'd like to do uh and it's not an interview a um a show with uh the the local realtor that reached out to me hopefully we will put that together before the uh the end of this month and then the last like 10 days of december you won't hear from me you won't see me on social you won't uh you won't know i exist until the turn of the years, I'll take a good solid eight, nine, maybe all all the way up of 10 days off at the end of the year, uh, somewhere around in there. So that is uh, the the layout as of right now. So let's jump right into it really quickly. Main by 24, main times 24. It was once again, 
another perfect example of the undisputed greatest day of the year. Even on a day when it rains uncontrollably virtually all day and washes the damn thing out, or so you would think, it really doesn't. Because the people who are invested in this and the people who want to be a part of it and the people, when I say invested, I mean like with sweat equity, with um, with money, investment, literal uh, capital, financial investment, uh, emotional investment, uh, that incorporates a lot of different people. We are going to make this great no matter what. And it is designed by people who, who don't attend bad parties and don't throw bad parties. And uh, I won't spend any more amount of time on it. The rain sucked. I mean, there's no way around that. The rain totally sucked. It doesn't rain for three months, and then we get a quarter or a half a, a month's worth of rain in one freaking day. I got a tweet on one of my um, just like you know celebration posts of Maine by 24 from my, my buddy Steve. He goes, I know that it doesn't, but it seems like it always rains during this. I re- responded with a tweet that said, I'd say three of the last five were raining heavily. A few other times years back, it did as well. First year in 2007 was miserable weather. So it kind of does seem like that. From my vantage point, another success. Regardless of the weather, it's always the best day of the year. The Open talking about the college football playoff. Uh, I uh, I don't care. You know, I, I wanted chaos, and I got it. I watch college ball every Saturday. I don't care anything about who does what. I just think it's so damn hilarious. All these years that I was a big college football fan as a young person, and the, the talking points and narratives was, there can't be a playoff. It, it would never work. And it's just like, what are you talking about? It would never, a playoff wouldn't work. It would devalue the regular season. It would uh, ruin the sport. What what the hell does that even, do you listen to yourself? Can you hear yourself talking out loud? Not only does the playoff work, the four team cre- creates all kinds of of buzz, good and bad, great press for your organization, for your sport, for for everybody. Now you're go, wow, we're going to do 12 teams. That might actually kind of screw it up a little bit. Probably not. But so we can quit this nonsense uh, after this year once we get tw- 12 teams and we'll have six terrible teams playing in playoffs every year. But no one's going to complain. No one complains about all the bad teams in the NFL that go to the playoffs every year, except for me. I do that. So I I'm probably will complain. And some people still will. But college football is monster business, and it's going to stay that way. And while everybody on Sunday was mad as hell about this, mad as hell about their their NFL team not doing well, or mad about losing their bets on Sunday, and mad about the college football, I was at Truist Park in Atlanta where the Atlanta Braves play. great friend of mine gave me his A-list play day, they call it. He's a a season ticket A-list member. And this is just where you get to take a stadium tour, hang out in the stadium, do some pretty exclusive things. It's kind of like seeing the White House. I've never done the White House tour, but I've done like a virtual version of it, and I kind of know what it is. You're not really seeing the White House, but you kind of are. That's what this is. And the coolest part of it, first of all, I went to get a bitters and soda, and I thought there's no way they're going to have any bitters. And they're probably because it's it's not a fully stocked bar in the Delta Club. It was free food and cash bar and free soft drinks. 
And I said, hey, do you have any bitters? And everybody there, they treat you like royalty because most people there spend a lot of money with this team. So, of course, you're going to get treated well. And I said, by chance, do you have any bitters? And they said, no. And and one of the girls was like, you know what? I think there is some in the back. I saw it on one of the carts because I'm sure they have a big beverage cart where they roll it around to uh, take the the product to these kind of satellite locations. She's like, I'm going to go take it. I'll go look. I'll be right back. I'm like, oh, you don't have Okay, well, go ahead. She comes back with orange bitters. All right, I don't really like orange bitters, but that's fine. That'll work. That's fine. And she could kind of tell, is this, oh, is this not it? I was like, no, 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 that, that, that's totally fine. Bitters and orange bitters and soda will work just fine. And I drank that, and we watched some of the Falcons-Jets game in the Delta Club. Me and my brother went with me. And then I went back to get another one, and we were going to go walk around and hit up a couple of the uh, uh, different kinds of uh, activities that they had. And she was like, hey, I, I went back. Is this the one you're looking for? She went back a second time and found the actual one that I was looking for. And I was like, you're an angel. And uh, then she hands it to the lady who's pouring drinks. And she throws some soda water in and shakes it a little bit. She's like, is that good? Do you want some more? I was like, I'll take as much of that as you want. And she heavy shook that thing. And even with a heavy shake, it's still not much alcohol. It's the only alcohol I uh, I drank. And it is just my favorite thing in the world. A, a, a bitters and soda and lime. And then, so we did a couple of other things. I'll leave those stories out because they're not really all that good. And I'm already running long on time here in the open. And so I, my brother wants to go to the batting cages, which are underneath the stadium through the dugout. And I don't care about that but I do want to go in the dugout and underneath through the tunnel way and see what that looks like so we walk down there and the line's not that long but it is it's into the dugout but it hasn't spilled out into the stands yet and my, my brother's in front of me and he said you know hey we want to do the the batting cage and she said well it's an hour wait and at the based on the time she's like that'll be the last thing you'll be able to do well we weren't going to do anything else anyway so that didn't matter and he's like, okay, yeah, we're not doing an hour. And I said, no, 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 no. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, we'll go. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not waiting an hour. I said, I just looked at him and said, kind of like mouth, trust me. Come on, let's go. What I noticed was is that because the line wasn't spilling into the stands, the line was in the dugout. Well, this wasn't an attraction to go sit in the dugout. That was not one of the options. The option was get in line to go down underneath to swing a bat in the batting cages, which neither of us cared to do. Once we got down, he's like, what are you talking about, man? We're not sitting here for an hour. I said, you're damn right we're not. What we're going to do is go sit down with our drink. He had a you know a vodka cranberry, I believe, and I had my bitter soda. I was like, we're going to go sit in the dugout and uh, just act like we're in line and just see what happens. I want to sit in the dugout. He's like, great idea. You know, gold. Let's do it. We went and sat in the dugout. They got the underneath seats. They got the up top seats. And we just sat there shooting the breeze, playing on our phone. I could have stared at that field. It was like Field of Dreams. It's such a gorgeous, a baseball diamond is one of the most beautiful things in the world. And just sitting there, having having a sip of, a, a, of something cold to drink and staring out at that gorgeous stadium. I mean, I could have done that for a couple of hours. And eventually someone was like, hey, are y'all getting in line? We're like, Oh, no, no, we changed our mind. <laughs> like, okay, well, you got to leave. <laughs> like, no problem. See you later. And then we got our bobbleheads on the way out the door and we were done. It was great. Uh, let's see. 
couple things here. I want to touch on this Frazier thing, Frazier Avenue. It's the only kind of news thing I'll get to. Uh, but I got to start with this first. If you're not aware, you'll, you'll figure it out as this show goes along. I quit drinking this year. And I saw this today on our company new products list so that this is not known by many. Uh, White Claw, the king of the seltzer, alcoholic seltzer world, is introducing in January of 24 a non-alcoholic version. Alcoholic carbonated water, White Claw, is going to uh, release a non-al version of its carbonated water. <laughs> I mean, I... I if that doesn't sound dumb as hell to you, I can't quickly explain why. Here's something I found from, it is uh, vinepair.com. It's just some blog. In a market this dumb, non-alcoholic hard seltzer looks smart. Countless companies have sought fortune by ferrying on existing beverage styles across the 0.0% ABV Rubicon, and many have found it. Precious few have dared attempt the return, making a soft drink hard, then making that same hard drink soft is a redundant alchemy that our language lacks the vocabulary to describe, politely at least, but no longer. White Claw is planning out to planning to roll out a virgin version of their ubiquitous segment-leading hard seltzer called White Claw 0%. The line extension is slated to arrive on shelves in January of 24 as a non-alcoholic hard seltzer, or as a long-established vernacular would have just called it, regular old seltzer water. And then it goes on to talk about the differences in all these things, mineral water, sparkling water, seltzer water. I won't bore you with all that. I actually know all the differences. I am kind of an aficionado when it comes to this kind of uh, carbonated world. I've been drinking this stuff for 20 years, really more like 25. My my neighbors, their parents drank Perrier when we were kids, and they didn't have any other carbonated drinks in the house. And so I would drink their Perriers and like, oh, God, this stuff tastes like shit. But I, would, I, t- I hated regular water, so I would drink it instead. And then I developed a taste for it over the years. And then around 2010, I started drinking it all the time. And now it's one of the most popular things out there going. It says, White Claw introduced in 2016. It wasn't the first hard seltzer, and it absolutely wasn't the first seltzer, seltzer, but it came to define the former segment to the American drinking public and remains its top seller in both dollars and volume, even as its one-time rival, Truly, which I never liked Truly, always loved White Claw. White Claw is the king of this category. The non-owl version will have 15 calories... A regular seltzer water has zero. Uh, Multiple sources claiming that White Claw 0% was the subject of a last-minute national conference call with wholesalers in August, which adds some intrigue. What could possibly be last-minute about entering a a product segment that has been commercially available in this country since Reagan was in the White House? Uh, This is wild stuff. White Claw is, I guess... With, with the January launch, hoping to capitalize on their brand name and their and the spike and the trend in non-alcoholic beverages. It's a huge business right now. And I'm guessing if they think if they can even get a quarter 
like a quarter out of the uh, out of the year of where this stuff sells because people see the name and they think, oh, MG, look at this. Look how cool I will be. White Claw at the party, but I won't actually have alcohol in it. And it, the stuff costs. It's a premium price. It's the same amount as alcoholic beverages, just like all non-owls are. Uh, I... I I don't know. We'll see. That same thing you're drinking with 15 needless calories in it, which I don't care about that part of it, but it's 69 cents over there on the, you know, on the value rack if if you if you need it. So, we'll see how that goes. And I had some audio, but I'm not going to do it because it doesn't matter. Really quick, the Blue Cross Bowl and all the championships at Finley Stadium, quite the success. Of course, you can give most of that to Baylor McCauley, which was quite the game. I did not end up going, but they had 18,149, if I remember right. The overall attendance for the weekend was 32,000, so like over half that goes to that one game. But it was better than all of the last 12 years when the, uh, the tournament or the championships were held in Cookville. And we had several local teams, which certainly didn't uh, hurt anything. And then the latest here on the Fraser Avenue traffic thing. Um, the John John audio I played you last week, he's kind of at it again. And uh, a little of this is kind of like, you know, the eye roll I mentioned last week that I thought I would start to get from some of this. I'm getting even more. And I'm going to have him on next year. He's already agreed to doing it. I hope he just, you know, now I just need him to follow through. I need to stay on him and I need him to, you know, to hold up his end of the bargain. I believe he would. I don't know why he wouldn't. He's such a vocal uh, person. And I and I believe in most of what he says. Uh, what, but what has happened here is this quickly there has been response. And I would take this as a big win if I were him. This is the, t- the Times Free Press. To collect data to inform the long-term redesign of the roadway, Fraser Avenue on Chattanooga's North Shore will have a new temporary traffic pattern every weekend until the end of December, announced the city on Monday. Along with this, also a permanent 25-mile-an-hour speed limit on Fraser, which is a good thing. Sorry about the computer continuing to make a bunch of noise in the background. Uh, let's see. Um, in 2016, I talked about this last week, that there was a grant, federal grant that came in, and Andy Burke just, I don't know, paid for uh, tacos at Las Mas and, well, if you know where I'm, the bad joke I'm trying to make. Uh, they didn't do anything with it. Of course, Andy Burke could not be reached via phone or text. He couldn't be reached via phone or text when he was mayor. Why would he be able to be reached now as he's not mayor anymore? Um, and then one quickly from the uh, Chattanooga.com, a, a, uh, an op-ed, don't reduce traffic lanes and force speed limits on Frazier. I do hope there will not be a knee-jerk reaction by simply reducing the street to bike lanes and to two traffic lanes and a turn lane. My reasoning is this, and I won't read the whole thing. He talks about how people cut through into the park to get around these lights. He lives on the uh, Riviera Villas, which is right down there to the left if you pull into Coolidge Park. And um, this is someone saying, don't do that. Don't change things. Most people generally are saying, really, don't do the drastic things that this, you know, John John, the urban uh, development and city planning dork that he is he's what he wants most people don't generally want and but what he did get was a variation of what he was asking for but of course 
this dude wasn't happy. And I couldn't find his uh, video he made. It was on his story. It's already gone. He didn't post it to his main account. I was going to play it for you. Um, but basically, it was not even a shred of gratitude for anything being done at all. And I'm not overly mad about that. I just, it's like, are you ever going to be satisfied? And that would be a question I would ask him right now. If he was sitting here, I would say, what would you say to the person who thinks that you are impossible to satisfy? And I would say, and maybe that person's me, who's saying that it feels like it's not possible to make you satisfied with any decision that they make. What would you say to that person? Because that's what he sounds like on his re- on his uh, responses on the socials, wherever they were, Facebook, Instagram. I didn't feel like digging them back out. But it was not enough, not good enough. They're back at the city council right now as I record this on Tuesday evening. I could have pulled the audio, but I already basically know what the guy's going to say. And, um, and, and so it's just like, you know, not even kind of like thanks, but let's, you know, talk a little more. It was really... Not nasty or anything. It was still professionally done. But it was, yeah, no, 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 bro. Not good enough. Let's go back to the city council and be even louder this time, damn it. And while I appreciate that to some degree, I it just kind of feels like, dude, I don't know if you're ever going to be happy. And if, and, if, and if you are never going to be happy, then, you know, I don't know how much stock I'm going to put in all this effort that you have out there but I'll keep listening for now and hopefully he'll be on the show soon enough all right so I uh I'll I had some audio to play it, it means nothing no reason to even worry about it so coming up next is 30 minutes of programming from this podcast back in the spring if you listen all the time I love you to death you know that here it is again or if you don't want to hear it again you can check out. We'll talk again some other time. Or if you're new to the show, this will give you an idea of where things were for me in April or late March, April, and maybe even a little into May. And then I will kind of close things up and wrap it up with a short segment at the very end. So stories maybe I shouldn't tell. I'll get you four of them from earlier this year coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com Most people cease alcohol use on their own without medical intervention. We don't know why, although religious transformation seems to be one, and of course the 12 Steps capitalizes on that. I think that it's quite an intelligent program, psychologically speaking. You know, first of all, you have to make a moral inventory. You have to figure out what's wrong in your life, which would obviously include the alcohol misuse. You have to rectify that, take responsibility for it, try to try to chart out a new course. You're also provided with a social structure, which is really useful when you're trying to stop drinking because it's very probable that most of your friends are going to be drinkers. And so that leaves, not only do you stop drinking, but you stop associating with your friends or maybe even with your family members. So, you know, an AA doesn't seem to be an exploitative organization. It's all volunteers speaking strictly clinically. It isn't obvious that there's a better alternative. That was Jordan Peterson, is a Canadian psychologist, author, and media commentator. Describes himself as a classic British liberal and a traditionalist. This is a now 
mind-blowingly incomparable Billy Strings. And at first I didn't get it, but give me enough time to smoke cigarettes and listen to it, and I totally get it. I don't remember the names of any of the songs yet. It's from the album Home, I believe is the name of it, but I don't know the name of the song. Yeah, I went into rehab to kick alcohol, but I picked up pre-diabetes and uh, emphysema. More on that later on down the road. So um, that's just one guy who I've seen a lot on my TikToks and uh, other social medias. He does a lot of uh, social media uh, commentary and, and interviews, and he was talking about AA there specifically. And I had I had somewhat of an understanding of what AA and NA meetings were, and then we all know from watching you know film and and television programming where you see, hey, name's Brian, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Brian, like that's that that's not just for some part of a movie you've seen. That that's how it goes. And you even when you go to these over and over again, and we do these in house once a not once a day, but probably four times a week. Maybe even five times a week. It's pretty close to once a day. Whereas an in-house 12-step therapeutic, it's not called AA necessarily, but it's the same concept. And, and you know, you're sitting right next to people, you know their names, but you still do that. You still do that every time. And it is kind of like, you know, you're looked at with the hairy eyeball, if you will, if you don't do it properly. Um, if you're doing much cross-talking at all, meaning any kind of conversation or, or response to what somebody might be saying... Um, when you're in AA, you say you're an alcoholic, but when you're in NA, you say you're an addict. And if you get them wrong, from what I'm to understand, is that there's kind of some eye rolling and like, uh, what's going on with this idiot kind of thing over here. I didn't experience that necessarily, but that's what I was told on the front end. And we went to a total of probably 10 to 12 NA and AA meetings inside and out so either we hosted two times a week at our facility i'm just going to refer to it mine as ours and then we would travel twice a week to another facility in town but this was on march 1st again all these that were written that i'll be reading in these chapters every week were written in real time and if i've changed my thinking on any of it or have learned more since i'll i'll point that out as i go along but for now i'll go ahead and read to you the first chapter called travel therapy a couple times a week a network of aana counseling and treatment centers travel to each other's facilities for meetings my treatment center hosts na every tuesday and aa every thursday and by far this facility is the most pristine of all the others in my 30-day experience this is the start of my second week here and i'm coming off detox and i'm feeling surprisingly pretty good all off-site therapy or outings are encouraged to anybody who is not currently detoxing. And this was my first time being eligible to participate with anything off-site. You don't have to attend these off-site meetings, but if you don't, you're ineligible for the weekend quote-unquote group outing, which could be anything from a shitty movie, bowling, the park, or some other kind of marginally entertaining option. It's somewhat like doing time in prison and that you'll take the kitchen duty, quote unquote, to get away from the mundane and the monotony of everyday captivity. 
Based on the little I know about this process currently, it seems that it would be in my best interest to keep my options open and to be a team player. And so we're off to an undisclosed location. And in parentheses, but they never tell you where you're going until moments before you get there. We're headed to this undisclosed location for a meeting where I expected the worst and got what was at least as close to exactly that. So we load up in the big travel bus and keep it in mind that two thirds or so of this caravan are not from or even familiar with Chattanooga proper. I asked one of the guys if they knew where we were headed. His response initially pleased me as he said East Ridge. So I thought, okay, cool, not too far away. I was thinking maybe the location would be the American Legion or Spring Creek Church or maybe even Camp Jordan. As we pass Moore Road and approach the Germantown Road exit in the far left lane on I-24, I quickly realized we are not going to East Ridge. I mentioned this out loud, and another guy says, maybe it was East 23rd Street or something like that, maybe. Astonished, I assuredly said, guys, the last place anybody goes at 8 p.m. on any night is East 23rd, let alone a literal caravan of drug addicts. Well, I'll be damned as we approach the bottom of the I-24 Ridge Cut if we didn't exit on 4th Avenue, East 23rd Street, here we are. We take a right onto Willow Street that takes us to Main Street. Keep in mind, I'm not talking about Main Times 24 Main Street. I'm talking about a block or so from Orchard Knob, quote, unquote, you don't want to be at Main Street. There ends up being two additional vans full of attics from other facilities to all pile into this maybe 750-square-foot portion of this all-brick 1950-ish era community center of sorts called the Suburban Club. Between the fire code breaking, dimly lit, toddlers wandering, crying babies, and police and emergency vehicles sirens flying down Main Street, this place legit felt like we were in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm not exaggerating. This was a very uncomfortable and unsettling atmosphere. To respect the anonymous part of AA and NA organizations, I'll leave this story with this. What appeared to be the leader of this particular organization ended, up, ended the meeting with, and this is paraphrased, we end these meetings reciting the Lord's Prayer. And if you don't want to, that's fine. Just shut the fuck up while we do it. <laughs> I said paraphrase, but that was almost exactly it. These elegant words from a guy wearing a Kid Rock shirt, flipping a bird, and some kind of fuck your feelings, something or other message on the back. Next time, I think I'll skip kitchen duty. That is chapter one, travel therapy. Coming up next, go back right before the start of the NCAA tournament. I was one week into alcohol detox inpatient rehab treatment, and I wrote one of many chapters of stories maybe I shouldn't tell. Coming up next, The Basketball Diary. Now back to more Stone On Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com Listen, I need you to help me out, all right? I need you to give me some money, okay? Ma, do you hear me, Ma? 
Yeah, I hear you. I, I can't help you. Okay, listen. What you gotta do is give me some money, okay? Jim, I can't do that. Why not? Come on, you know I'm, I'm not gonna do anything with it. I just need... I need to go out of town for a little while because I got into some trouble and I need some help with it. Okay, so you gotta give me some money, Mom. Mom, give me some fucking money, please! What are you doing? I'm your son! I don't have any. Mom, don't fuck around like this! Come on! Let me in the fucking door! That was from the Basketball Diaries flick in 1995, I believe. Leo DiCaprio. That dude's a hell of an actor, man. As a kid, as an adult, he might be odd in the sense that he never has a girlfriend over the age of, like, 24. (laughs) But, hey, good for him. This is Jim Carroll, People Who Die. I believe it was just the Jim Carroll band. Died in 2009, was an American author, poet, autobiographer, and punk musician. Carroll was best known for his 1978 autobiographical work, The Basketball Diaries, which inspired a 1995, so there I got it right, film of the same title starring Leo DiCaprio. I figured this one made more sense because, well, the NCAA tournament is about to come to a wraps this weekend. And I'm not a huge college basketball fan anymore like I used to be as a, as a kid, but I, I do love the uh, tournament for the one-and-done nature and for the upset and the Cinderella stories. It makes for really overall just the storylines. It is the sports tournament that creates the most storylines because people you would have never heard of who nobody would have ever cared about in for the rest of the history of anybody's lives, all of a sudden become front-page stories of inspiration, generally speaking, and it's it's just a lot of fun. And anytime it's a do-or-die situation in sports, most of us who enjoy uh, watching sporting events, we gravitate towards that. So I figured what I would do was do this chapter of stories maybe I shouldn't tell while the NCAA tournament is coming to a close, as I wrote this story on, I believe it was March 6th. Yes, it was March 6th, just uh, days before the NCAA tournament was to begin. So what I decided to do was call this story The Basketball Diaries long before I ever got to this point today. So going into treatment, I did not know how I was going to fill the spare time. I really wasn't sure how much spare slash downtime there was even going to be. Turns out there was a good amount of it, and there was also a good amount of uh, group meetings and all that. It was it was evened out pretty well throughout the day, but at the in the evening you had a, a good amount of time to kill, and someone usually had something stupid on the. TV going, the Star Wars show or Star Wars movies or uh, whatever that new craze is, One of Us or whatever that is from Netflix or HBO or whatever. So I realized quickly, I can't read. (laughs) I cannot read. Just short of a newspaper article and a uh, somewhat moderately lengthy magazine article, I can't read. 
It starts off, I'll just, I'll pick up a book and I'll start reading. Jack and Jill went up the hill to get to the other words and words and words and words. Oh, 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 hold on. Where am I? Jack and Jill went up the hill, went over the side to grab a pail of water. And then they came going words and words and words. I mean, I just, it's every single time. I listen to lots of radio and podcasts. I, I guess I should get into listening to books on tape, as they were called. But I cannot read. I cannot focus. My ADHD is beyond repair. And so what I realized what I needed to do was I should write. Now, I can't write well in the sense that if an MLA handbook, I might as well toss into an inferno and set it on fire. That's how poor my grammar and uh, punctuation and writing skills are. But I know how to put thought to paper. And I know how to to get to a to a point quickly. And this is just going back to blog days. I used to bang out blog entries all the time. You know, my English teacher would have been horrified by how terribly it was laid out, but the thoughts were still there. So I figured here's what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start journaling, de- dear diarying my days to give an idea of where I am at at this exact moment. And this was March 6th, right after my first initial detox had been completed. It is two and a half pages. Today's stories, maybe I shouldn't tell, is called The Basketball Diaries from March 6th. As I mentioned in last week's Chapter 1, travel therapy, quote-unquote, is not available to anybody who is still on detox. That isn't just limited to AA and NA meetings. It ranges from group outings, adventure therapy, or just a simple trip to the YMCA which after a week of detox, I was eligible for, and quite frankly, only mildly interested in. We're only there for about an hour. And when I look at a gym, I know what to do with that. It's about as much as I know what to do with a Rubik's Cube. I mean, sure, it looks cool, but what the fuck am I supposed to do with it? So my first opportunity to go to the Y was Thursday, March 2nd. And I said, what the hell? I'll go shoot some hoops. After all, I used to be pretty good at basketball. Turns out playing ball is not at all like riding a bike. You can forget how to do it. I was absolutely horrendous. Air ball after freaking air ball. I mean, I was barely catching iron for crying out loud. Luckily for my pride, there were only some young children running around and no real respectable adult had to witness this travesty of an amateur basketball shoot around. As you heard last week in the Sunday news, the UTC men's mocks made an improbable run to the Southern Conference Championship, which will air on ESPN on Monday night, March 6th. We have a community TV that is in use for casual viewing during specified times throughout the day, with the majority of that viewing time being in the evening and at night. I did a quick internal poll, a caucus, if you will, of eyes... So if this were to come down to a vote to control the TV, I knew I had the numbers on my side. Luckily, it didn't come to that. After our Monday a.m. morning bell, I asked out loud to the group that if I promised not to ask for control over the TV again, could I have it for the game that night for a couple of three hours? I was quite delighted when the group, perhaps quietly begrudgingly, easily agreed to this request. More on that in a few. Turns out that Monday afternoon was also my second opportunity to shoot hoops at the YMCA. Oftentimes, when I fail at something so spectacularly, 
I just give it up and quit. Well, with the excitement that I had with the Mox being in the Southern Conference final and my deep belief that, quote, I can play basketball, damn it, I was pleased to get another chance. This time, I warmed up properly, ran some dribbling drills, and took some easy warm-up shots. It's almost as if preparation and practice actually helps. Now, while my shooting percentage was still abysmal, I was sinking some free throws and surprisingly hitting some threes. High school level to be sure, but shit, I'll take it. It felt quite incredible, really. Running around, sweating, while clanking bricks a majority of the time, I still managed several nothing but net shots. Exercise. What a concept. When I returned back from the Y, I realized I had, I had an additional name tag added to the door of my room, meaning I had gotten a new roommate. Fuck! Was my first thought. Turned out to be as nearly perfect of a situation as I could have hoped for. There are new arrivals nearly every day, so I was getting a new roommate one way or another. More on this in a future stories maybe I shouldn't tell in the coming weeks. So as I mentioned, we had the Mox Furman game on that night after the final group meeting of the day. Now, make no mistake about it. I had no delusions the Mox would win this game. It's virtually unheard of for a college basketball team to win four games in four days to win a conference championship. It's happened before, but it's so seldom. It's a statistical improbability. But in the second half of the game, it was as close as four points with five minutes to play. The game wasn't really as close as the score indicated, and at no time did the momentum of the game ever feel like the mocks would win. But if just for today, me and five to six other guys, parenthetically, probably three of them, not even from the Chattanooga area. Me and five other guys watched Mox basketball on national television in a drug rehab facility like it was all of our favorite team and it was the biggest game of the year. Of course, the Mox lost and the dream postseason run ended. Even with the loss, it was a great ending to a really nice day. There was no punk music, no mentions of Jim Carroll, and certainly no appearances by Leonardo DiCaprio. But just for today, this is my basketball diary. So after I realized that I no longer know how to read and also came to the realization that listening to music just for fun isn't really a thing for me anymore, and I kind of already knew that, but this situation kind of confirmed it. Now, I love music. I love listening to music. But not just as the only thing. It's got to be an accompanied thing to something else. While working in the yard, cutting the grass, those kinds of things. That's where music really comes in handy. Just wanting to sit around and listen to music just because there's nothing else to do is still rather boring to me unless I'm high, which in there I'm not. So listening to music really isn't much of a pastime for me but writing turned out to be something that was pretty therapeutic in a lot of ways for me and um i am happy to share them with you here on the stone on air 
podcast. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stoneonair.com. How long does alcohol stay in the body? All right, well, physically, it leaves the body relatively quickly. It is job number one, once you start drinking, for the body to purge alcohol. It's like, ah, alert, intruder, poison, poison. So alcohol will leave the body within, you know, 24, 48, maybe max 72 hours. Emotionally, it takes a lot longer for your body to rebalance, especially if you've been drinking a long time. If it has had ever-present alcohol, there have been wirings in your brain that come to expect it and come to feel deprived if you don't have it. And that's cravings. That's why cravings can last a long time. It's part of it, at least. And here's the thing. It's going to take some time for your body to realize, oh, I'm okay. I don't have to be in this intense defensive mode all the time against the intruder that is alcohol. And so that process, it takes closer to two weeks. You start to feel much better and some people a month. But the good news, on the other side, you feel amazing. And it's Goose. Is it time we shed our weapons yet, my friend? Is it love we've drawn away in our groundless love? song's called Hunger Sight. Might be my theme song after this year. I listened to this over and over and over at first when I was in that treatment center because it was the first song I knew, so I listened to it a lot. And before I knew it, I was jamming to it plenty, but also dug deep into the Goose archives, which don't go that far because they've only been around since 2016. I think they have three records. 45 days sober today, meaning if today is Thursday the 6th, this is my 45th day. I'm going 15 more at least to 60 because that'll be 30 with assistance. That'll be 30 without. And the closer I get, the more I want to keep going. And I don't mean to sound at any point on this show or in real life walking around like I'm becoming some kind of preacher because I'm not. I love to drink. I love to drink. I love the culture it brings, and I still want to be a part of it. I just haven't figured out exactly how my puzzle piece fits into that just yet. But I get more encouraged every day. So let's get to these two stories real quick. I do want to hurry because I'm running late, and I know many people don't care about that, but I do. I wrote a bunch of stories in case you just so happened to be listening for the first time while I was in treatment for um, a long-standing alcohol consumption problem that I had, and I'm getting along very well these days, but I didn't have anything to do. There was nothing to do outside of go to all these meetings and plenty of time to kill as I was inpatient for three weeks, 21 full days. And so I just dear diaried, and here's two of them. Back to back, I don't know what day I did the this first one. The second one was March 8th. I bet this one was right about that same time during that week. So I'll start with meeting and eating. These are stories I wrote basically to myself, now calling them stories maybe I shouldn't tell here on the Stone On Air podcast. Meeting and eating. I don't know if it's an exclusively American cultural thing or not. My guess is it's not. But collectively, we are obsessed with food. Even the most health-conscious person seems to have a love affair with food. How to make it, where to get it, how much does it cost, is it any good, etc., etc. Another particularly peculiar thing in American society is nothing makes people want to discuss food more 
than when we were already eating it together. And that's before I even get started on the concept of free food. Holy hell, people lose their shit over free food. Dinner is my favorite meal of the day. I generally hope not to be awake for any semblance of breakfast, but if I am, there are plenty of really good options. Lunch just pisses me off. There are not many things more annoying during the course of my day than to have to stop what I'm doing and find some kind of meal that is satisfying, all the while dodging having to talk about it with onlookers and nosy types wherever this unfortunate meal has to take place. Examples, work, school, etc. I've always said the lunchroom, or the break room, is where intellectual discussion goes to die. Now, to say that it dies mean that it had to exist to begin with. I generally don't like to be bothered while I'm eating at any given time. I loathe conversation while consuming food. I'd rather you ask my annual salary than ask what I'm eating for lunch or quote-unquote, hey, what's for dinner? I say all that to say this. This effing place feeds you. 7.20 a.m. breakfast. 11.30 a.m. lunch, 5 p.m. dinner, and junk food snacks available most all the evening. All, quote-unquote, enjoyed by all the same people you spend the entire day with already, and everybody's got to be talking about something. Whether it's a small talk about the weather, parenthetically, and considering we rarely knew the forecast in this setting, that is seen as an actual relevant conversation. Whether it's talk about the weather, gossip about one of the current patients, one of the incoming or outgoing patients, or complaints about the facility, its policy, and or the staff, there's always something to numb the brain. This is what the Monday through Friday schedule looks like. 7 a.m. eat, 8 a.m. meet, 9 a.m. meet, 10 a.m. meet, 11.30 a.m. eat, 1 meet, 3 meet, 5 p.m. eat, 7 meet, 8 p.m. eat. Meeting and eating. That's virtually all we do in here. Oh, and smoke cigarettes. More on that later, which I'll get to in the butt hut here in just a minute. But seriously, 7.20, which means anywhere between 7.20 and 7.45, we're eating breakfast. Between 11.30 and 12, it's already time for lunch. We just ate, generally, oftentimes, a big breakfast for me anyway, because when you eat dinner like a senior citizen at 5 p.m. and all there is is to eat granola bars and candy bars and junk food and gummy worms at the end of the night, I'm pretty damn hungry come 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the morning. And then a big lunch and then a big and we just do this over and over eating and meeting and smoking, which leads me to my next story. Maybe I shouldn't tell to wrap up today's show. Written on March 8th, The Butt Hut. It's amazing the powerful and then sometimes not so powerful grip addiction has on people. For many, it's benzos, cocaine, meth, opioids, etc., and alcohol. Then there are nicotine and caffeine. And while traditional smoking has been mostly publicly shunned, nicotine vape pens and all forms of caffeine are still huge business and hardly ever get discussed as something people should probably quit. I have smoked on and off for roughly 25 years. I'd say it's closer to 60-40 off-on and have never developed a dependency on either of them. I certainly have cravings with cigarettes, especially if I smoke pot, 
but no more than a craving for a piece of chocolate or a salty potato chip. Sure, if it's readily available, I might have one, but it's never something I have to have. Same for caffeine and or sugary drinks. It's actually even less to virtually never do I ever indulge in either and rarely have any real cravings. But God damn, this place is a caffeine-swilling, cigarette-smoking factory. I have basically come to rehab to start smoking. It's disgusting, but it's true. As I write this on March 8th at 9.45 at night, I'm on my third pack of Camel Menthol Crush cigarettes since February 20th. And I didn't smoke my first couple days here because I hardly got out of bed. So that's roughly 45 cigarettes in 14 days. Ugh. Part of it's an alcohol replacement, quote-unquote, buzz. Part of it's herd mentality. And basically, there's not shit else to do here. There's only one place to smoke, and it's the only place where you can go outside at all, for that matter. It's a courtyard of types. Think the U of a large building and a 10-foot wooden fence creating that courtyard feel. There's several wooden benches, a couple plastic chairs, some gravel and grass with a red gazebo in the middle with a sign that says, Welcome to the Butt Hut. From an aerial view or an Instagram snapshot, it looks pretty cool. But I assure you, it's not. If the weather is nice, there's a radio blaring shitty local music radio, an eclectic mix of Rock 105, KZ106, or US 101. Hey, I guess it's better than nothing. As soon as every session slash meeting ends, the rush is on to the courtyard. Well, either that or to the medicine window, which is in the hallway that leads to the butt hut, so how convenient that it's on the way. A bunch of drug addicts and alcoholics all hopped up on meds, caffeine, and smoking cancer sticks down one by one to the soundtrack of Aerosmith, Keith Urban, or Shinedown. What's not to love, right? Three more small paragraphs and I'll wrap it up. The butt hut can seat about six to seven comfortably, which I put in quotes. In parentheses, I put comfortably in quotes because there's nothing comfortable about this entire experience. There's a small campfire-sized bucket full of sand and a kitty litter scoop for the cigarette butts, as well as a lighter on a string on the right side of the entrance. Remember how I said that the break room is the death of intellectual discussion? Well, the butt hut gives that a run for its money, but except in this space, add in story-topping types, swapping war stories of past drug use, arrest, baby daddy mama drama, and other generally unlawful reflections that is just plain irritating. In a facility where we're all supposed to be trying to get better, glorifying the past isn't helping. At least it's not helping me anyway. It's cool, though. These people are dealing with a lot and are just blowing off steam. The only way that they know how. I'm not mad about it. I'll just be in the corner with my earbuds in, listening to Billy Strings or Goose, sucking on this disgusting camel menthol, being aloof, and minding my own business. No need to save me a seat in the butt hut. And that is today's dual stories that maybe... I shouldn't tell. And yes, I have not had a cigarette now in almost a week, and I have moved on to vaping. It's kind of like the old Uncle Buck line, which I'm not going to remember exactly. 
You have to be a certain age and a certain type to even know what I'm talking about. I quit smoking. I moved on to cigars. And then I'll move to chewing tobacco. And then I'll move to whatever that was. It's kind of what this is, but hey, baby steps. One week at a time. There you go. Moved along quickly. Flew right on by. Thank you so much for being here. If you do find a place to rate and review, honestly, I would really uh, appreciate it. It would mean a lot. It would help um, different kinds of metrics. I don't really concern myself with that all that much, but most people do. And anybody who's giving you an advice on starting or doing a podcast would say, push to ask them to rate and review. Again, if you don't want to, totally cool. Thank you so much. I love you to death. Talk to you next week. Bye. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. Earlier today, I met with the former chairman of the Hamilton County Republican Party. Uh, His name is Arch Trimble. And the main reason was is he's huge into yoga. And this is something that I'm going to very highly consider doing into the new year. Because I swear, I swear, guys and gals, I mean, if I didn't know any better, which I really don't know any better, I would think I have like a degenerative disease or something. The amount of pain, the chronic pain I have in my arms in my biceps, in my shoulders. I mean, it hurts bad. I need some stretching. I need something in my life. I'm not sure what it is, but I need something. And first thing I said today was, dude, I I finally figured out that quitting drinking didn't really solve any of my problems. I did not come close to changing my life by just quitting drinking. There's a lot more that needs to happen. And I'm not exactly sure what that is. And some of those things are going to start like they did this morning with a cup of coffee and a conversation. Boy, I uh, did bad math. Way bad math. Um, That's already about an hour now, so I'll do this as quick as possible. That was from just a couple of weeks ago, still very much considering getting into the world of yoga into the new year. So, Thanks for listening to that again, if you did, and if you didn't uh, listen to it back in the, you know, earlier in the year, I, uh, I hope you enjoyed it, because I enjoyed uh, doing it at the time and doing the segments, and I'll do a couple more of those in the next week or two. Just a few things, I, I took some notes as I went through it, I just wanted to mention a couple things. First of all, when I was talking about quitting smoking, and I had moved on to uh, vaping, I, uh, I mentioned the, the Uncle Buck movie line, and I couldn't remember what it was. And so at the time, this was, you know, back then, and I still couldn't now, so I went and pulled it. Here it is. Hey, I, I stopped smoking cigarettes. Oh, good. Isn't that something? <laughs> I'm on to cigars now. Yeah, I'm on to a five-year plan. I eliminated the cigarettes, then I go to cigars, then I go to pipes, then I go to chewing tobacco, then I'm on to that nicotine gum. <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's what I was referencing. So uh, I talked about at the beginning of the AA. I didn't feel a lot of the backlash from people uh, initially. Later on, I did. I talked about that later in the year. I borderline despise, despise AA. Um, I'm not going to discourage anybody from trying it because I think it is a valuable resource for those who need it. It's not for me. And that's fine. Not everything is for everybody. I am not going to have anything to do with Alcoholics Anonymous or NA or any of the rest of them. During the Basketball Diaries story, I mentioned that I got a new roommate. And I yelled, fuck! 
fuck? And I was all mad about it at the time. Well, it turns out, if you've been listening recently, my friend Bill Ramsey, who died, that day, that new roommate, that was Bill. And um, I mentioned that I would talk about it more later down the line because I intended to do a segment at that time about some of the people I had met in there. And I realized that that was not cool. Like talking about other people's experiences was not at all. That was bad form. And uh, I, I, le- I learned that pretty quickly and, and d- decided not to do that. Talking about my experience is kind of dancing on the line of the anonymous part of all this. But uh, I certainly don't see anything wrong with that. Another thing as I was making notes, as I, I mentioned that I don't listen to music for fun and I know that that might somebody might kind of look sideways and be like, "What are you talking about? Don't listen to music for fun." Well, the clarification I I think that I wanted to make as I as I was hearing that and thinking, I bet somebody thinks that that's the weirdest thing they've ever heard. But really, think about it. How often do you just sit around and listen to just music? Like that's the only thing you're doing. I I would be willing to guess virtually never. I mean, unless you're a 16 year old without a cell phone. You know, like we used to ha- be, or or whatever age or different time uh, of of the of our lives, in, you know, in a past life. But now a days, when are you doing nothing at all except for listening to music? Probably almost never. And for me, that was my point. Is like, hey, I'm bored. I'm sitting in a, a a rehab facility. I don't know what to do with myself. I'll just sit here and listen to music. It just, you know, it just didn't work for me as far as an effective way to pass the time. That's what I meant by that. Uh, What else here? I guess that's just about it. Oh, in the third story, I was at 45 days in. I said I was going to try to make it to 60 and then decide from there. Um, At that point, I didn't even know. I thought I might just start drinking again. I meant it. I thought there was a chance after 60 days I'd, I'd just go back to drinking and try to do it differently, I guess. You know, I was in a, you know, a lot of trying to figure out this maze world at that time, and I still am. I still am. People who are in AA would tell me I'm a goddamn fool and don't know anything because I'm only eight or nine, about nine months in now. They'd say, nine months. I got you. Blah, blah, older than that. Okay. All right. All right. You're not wrong. You don't have to be a dick about it, but you're not wrong. And um, then, of course, the butt hut story, I was just thinking, you know, then I didn't smoke. And I didn't drink caffeine. And now I, I vape and drink cold brew every single day. How things change in such a short amount of time. The last thing I put was, well, here we are. And there you go. That's all I got. Um, thanks for listening. And we'll see how things go for the next couple of Wednesdays. I'll get you something. Not exactly sure what it is. We'll figure it out together over the next couple of weeks. Thanks for being here. See you later. Bye.